Welcome to Prevention Is Now. I'm Deb Bonner, the preventionist and community advocate for Prairie Center Against Sexual Assault in Springfield, Illinois. Sexual violence is a public health concern. It can happen anywhere at any time to anyone, and the implications on survivors and their families can be profound and lifelong. Now, for a little bit of context, if you've ever gone to a bar or club, you've more than likely experienced or witnessed sexual harassment or other type of harm. It is the perfect storm. People emboldened by the perception that a target, for lack of a better word, is intoxicated and potential victims slower to react. Bar and club staff, more often than not, not intervening. Now, six years ago, researchers in Toronto, Canada, did a study where they made over 1,300 visits to 118 bars and clubs in the area. Their findings included, out of more than 1,000 incidences recorded, approximately 25% involved some sort of sexual harassment. 90% of those harassing incidents involved men harassing women. Bouncers only intervened in 10 of 258 aggressive incidents, and in only one instance was an aggressive male patron removed from the bar. And perhaps not surprisingly, the more intoxicated the woman was, the more likely she was to be targeted for harassing behavior. Ultimately, the study concluded two things. One, sexual harassment and violence is rampant in bars and clubs. And two, the best way to prevent sexual harassment and violence is to get the bar staff involved. Now, that's where our guest today comes in. Renna Merrill is with Make Your Move Missoula, an interagency council focused on community-wide sexual violence prevention. The council was established in 2012 in response to heightened community engagement around some high-profile rape cases. One of their programs is a bar workshop designed to teach bystander intervention and engage alcohol-serving staff when they witness harassing and aggressive behaviors. Rena, welcome. Can you describe Missoula County's bar scene for us? Yeah. So Missoula County is located in Montana. Montana has the second highest breweries per capita in the nation, just below Vermont. So we are a college town that, you know, has quite a lot of alcohol. We have a pretty small population, but a very large geographical space. So we're about the same size as the town of Springfield, Illinois, but we're spread across what would be the equivalent of Christian, Sangamon, Morgan, and Case counties. And so we have kind of a high concentration of alcohol in our city center, and then we have wide breadth of um, you know places where folks drive. It also changes the types of bars that we have in our community. There's a wide variation of your kind of downtown dive college bar and your more rural, um, very local tavern. Now, why was it decided it was time for Missoula to make its move and implement a bar bystander program? And who was the driving force behind it? That's a great question. So, Make Your Move began in 2012 when some really high-profile rape cases were under investigation by the DOJ at our local university and with our city police department. It then kind of propelled prevention leaders, students, advocates, and local government to try and figure out how to respond to sexual harassment and other types of um, sexual violence that were coming out of our kind of downtown scene. So with support from our city council in about 2014, we utilized a training from the Boston Area Rape Crisis Center that helped us kind of launch a bar bystander program. 
And then in 2016, we got a grant from Reliance to revamp that curriculum and have been using a very Missoula-focused workshop ever since. So you've done a lot of your, your localized research, and what were some of the findings, and did really any of them surprise you as you were going through and pulling your curriculum together? Yes. So we've done a number of informational sessions with bartenders and bar managers to kind of see what they were experiencing and noticing. And then we did a online patron experience survey where we asked folks about what their experiences were at alcohol serving establishments across the county for the past year. And we asked questions like, why do you go out? What's your favorite bar? Why? And then we also ask questions like, what type of harassment have you seen? What type of harm? And that includes sexual comments, unwanted sexual touch. It also included things like racist comments or um, comments targeted against disability or sexual orientation. And so really being able to look at harassment on a broad spectrum. And I think one of the things that people forget when we're talking about sexual violence is it does exist kind of on this uh, continuum where it can start fairly what we would say innocently enough. And you might not even notice it. You know, somebody brushes past you and just happens to touch your backside or Mm -hmm. someone says something like, oh, it's just a compliment. But that's that's almost Mm -hmm. like a testing the water kind of thing. And these behaviors tend to escalate if they're left unchecked. Exactly, exactly. And that we found, you know, the numbers and the stories, we asked for specific stories as well, of people who were like, yeah, like someone would come up to us on the dance floor and grab our butt and uh, grab our breasts and then walk away. And that those are those are harmful behaviors, but they're, they happen so quickly and it's so hard to respond that it's it's kind of, it is that way to test water and for sure one of the things that i found when i've been doing some of my own research into the bar scene you know whether it's here in springfield when i was uh, looking into your program in missoula i saw a program mm-hmm. that's over actually in england almost every woman has a story i know i have yeah. my own you probably have yours and it's to the point where we almost expect it to happen you're just like, oh, mm-hmm. all right. You shake it off and you move move on. But that's why programs like Your Bar Workshop are so important. So we can change those social norms. So we don't exactly. have to expect that when we go out. Exactly. Because that is such a drain, right? That is, it's so exhausting and it limits our ability, like as community members to go out and have fun. If, if, a large portion of our community is like nervous about their safety anytime they go out. And I think it's important for the the bars and the nightclubs to understand as well that if they can put a bystander program in place like this, that mm-hmm. female patrons or those who may be more susceptible, because we know people in the LGBTQ community also get a tremendous amount of harassment and violence perpetrated mm-hmm. towards them. They're going to feel more safe going to those establishments. So it's going to be better for the the establishment's reputation. It's going to be better for their overall business. Yeah. Well, I think with that, you know, you mentioned the Toronto study earlier. And one of the things that the study looked at and tracked was what sort of 
maneuvered the people who were receiving harassment engaged in to try and end the harassment. And one of those is leaving the area of the bar or leaving the establishment entirely. And um, that is something when we did our patron experience survey that we found folks were doing as well. Like the numbers were pretty well aligned where people came to the bar to have a good time and then ended up leaving. And so as a, as a bartender or as a bar manager or owner, like that is not great for business, right? And so being able to have this training and signal to folks like, hey, we don't allow that harassment here and then prepare bartenders to respond when they see that behavior effectively is, I think, a pretty great business model that is going to have significant returns on investment. So you've collected your data and you're presenting your training to the bars. And I know sometimes bartenders and or business owners, maybe, maybe who aren't as involved in on, on the day-to-day, they're just, they're kind of in there during the day doing the books and then they let their employees take care of it at night. They're like, oh, we don't have those problems here. But as mm. you've collected your data, finding out mm, maybe you're having a few more than you think. So how do the bartenders, the security staff respond to the information about, you know, the patrons being harassed and how they can make a difference? So there are a number of mixed reactions. I think that there are some establishments in town that have kind of a notorious reputation and it can be really easy kind of as you mentioned to say you know that doesn't happen at our establishment because it happens at that bar that we all know about across the street and to be able to use this data and say well like actually like one of these stories is from your establishment and actually we are connected with advocates in the community. And so we know that people are reporting sexual violence or sexual assault at or after um, being at your establishment, that there's this ability to hold folks accountable or to like uh, confirm that what is happening is actually happening in their establishment. And I think too, like with that and with any prevention education, we are asking people to shift their worldview. It's a lot easier to go into work and believe that like your bar is a safe bar to be at and that everyone's having fun and having a good time. And it is a really hard worldview to recognize that that's not the case, or at least that's not the case all the time for everyone. And so there are times when we experience some amount of resistance where, you know, people will say, oh, that number of altered drinks is way too high. Like, people probably are just more drunk than they realize. Or like, oh, people bar hop in a certain circle, and therefore they're not being followed. Like, these dismissive ways to, like, not honor the reality of the harm that is happening in our community. But when I you know, experience that, what I am noticing is just like, ah, we're asking you to do a really hard thing. We're asking you to like recognize just how fully this permeates the work. That said, there are also bartenders and establishments that we engage in. When we give this information, they're like, yeah, we're not surprised. Yeah, actually, these numbers seem too low. As you said before, like, Every single person I know maybe has this story and it's shocking that it's not 100% or 99% of people. 
And but there, there sometimes is this kind of euphoria in being able to to name what is happening and what folks are witnessing happen to patrons, and also what is happening to employees themselves, and recognizing like, oh, I have been harassed by patrons or vendors or um, you know fellow coworkers, and that was also hard. And that that shared language has been really beneficial. We're talking with Brenna Merrill of Make Your Move Missoula, a council that provides community-wide prevention education. So how does the bar workshop trainings actually happen? How Can you walk us through that? Yeah, of course. So we started up uh, connecting with some stakeholders in our community. So that included our local tavern association. We have folks in our council that are bar goers and so some word of mouth. Um, I did a lot of bar hopping. And then also there are some city contracts right now that require trainings to happen. And so in this variation of strategy, you know, we've tried to do outreach to engage bar owners in taking this training. When the training actually happens, it's about a two-hour workshop, we start off focusing on values and really talking about the reasons that make this particular establishment great. Like what makes it a wonderful workplace? Why do patrons come here? Um, What does it mean to like have fun at your bar? And then we talk about like, okay, so sexual harassment or other types of sexual violence, like harm a lot of these values. And then if we want to have a fun great workplace and if you want to have a fun great bar for patrons then um then we get to address what the sexual violence looks like or what the sexual violence happens and so we do a little bit of sexual violence 101 where we define some terms so that we're all on the same page and then we cover policy and there are some establishments that have absolutely no written policy to begin with and there are some establishments I've went into one that has like a hundred page employee handbook. And so kind of working with what is written and then also working with these unwritten practices for how do you respond when things escalate? How do you respond when you notice harm happening? And then working specifically using stories from our patient experience survey to practice different intervention strategies and then to troubleshoot any sorts of issues that they are coming up against and want kind of team support on figuring out. After the workshop is completed, we then, we give them some signage to hang up in their bar and um, we also promote them on our social media. And then we do some additional technical assistance with the manager and owner to update written policy and practice. Now, do the bars need to recertify at regular intervals? Uh, what a great question. We definitely created this curriculum to be multi-dose. Multi-dose is, as you may know, important for prevention. There is the intent that bars would recertify every three years or when the number of their certified staff drops below 70%. So the 70% threshold is um, actually something we copied from a program in Arizona to help with turnover and recognizing that, you know, staff turnover and and so the three-year mark may be too far out. But then we also have some bars where 
nobody ever turns over. So the three-year mark is just fine. I will say, though, that in practice has not always been easy. I mean, certainly COVID has made that a lot more difficult. But even before that, um, there have been some establishments that have an incredible amount of buy-in and have asked for recertification annually, regardless of turnover. Meanwhile, we have some other establishments that we barely kind of got in the door when we trained. Um, and so that recertification process has been harder to reinitiate. So according to your website, Make Your Move, you have three primary guiding principles in preventing sexual violence, uh, positive messaging, engaging bystanders, and changing social norms. So anyone who's worked in prevention knows that you, you need this kind of multi-prong approach because not just one of them will do it. How do each of these work within your Make uh, make Your Move program? So within our bar workshop, um, one of the key ways that we're engaging positive messaging is that our training is not oriented to go in and talk about, you know, Montana Cone annotated and say, this is legally what rape is and this is legally what harassment is and like, don't do it, right? We start the conversation focusing on, hey, your bar is pretty cool. Like we want people to have a fun time. We want to envision a world where people feel safe and can dance and can drink and can listen to live music, eat good food, watch the football game, like that we have so much hope for what your bar or your establishment brings to our community. And then we focus on when we engage these bartenders and um, security staff, we really focus on the skills that they already have. I for instance, have never worked as a bartender, but they have, and they are excellent at crowd management. They're excellent at, you know, making sure that people are having a good time with checking in with folks, with diffusing difficult situations. And so it's using that skill base and highlighting like how, how much of an expert folks already are in intervention. And then just sprinkling in some of our own expertise specifically about sexual violence prevention so that they can utilize skills that they already have to continue to make their establishment a safer place. And then in regards to social norms, bystander intervention training is effective because of the way that it, it can impact social norms in in workplaces or in schools. And what I have really enjoyed I think the most from these workshops are that these are an opportunity for staff to come together and discuss some situations that they've been in some trouble that they've been having and to support one another and to problem solve together and that type of like teamwork and team building I think has a really valuable component in changing our community. One of the things I love, because I did a, a Google search on some of your posters and things like that, and it's, mm -hmm. it's also in your, your toolkit as well, is that you have very positive messaging. So many times if you, if you do a Google search and you want to see something about rape prevention or whatever, they're very dark, they're very mm -hmm. foreboding, but keeping with that positive, 
as I recall, there was one where it's a guy's like, I could see she was drunk, so I made my move. I drove her home kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's it's just changing. You know, it's doing what I think most people would do, given an opportunity yep. to do a good thing, as opposed to focusing on that very dark, very scary element, which makes it so difficult to talk about the problem in the first place. Exactly. Yep. So... How has the overall impact on the community been since you started these workshops eight years ago? Yeah, and I think as with all prevention, it is really difficult to measure outcomes because essentially you can't really measure what's not happening. And sometimes when you notice an increase, that's because prevention education is happening. And so instead of focusing on metrics, in answer to your question, I think what I want to share is the way that other activism and community connection has been flourishing in the past eight years. So as I mentioned earlier, Make Your Move came about in 2012. And with that came some support from our local officials and city council and then our county commissioners. And as we have continued to engage in our bar workshops, we have been able to connect with like a a wide variety of social groups, like the clientele that goes to, you know, one of our bars is very different than a clientele that goes to another bar. And so being able to kind of be this uniformed educator for all these different folks in our community has been really awesome. And then there's also been really cool ways that our work with bars is becoming connected to other work. Because we've been working with bars for so long and have been connected with our local officials with the Me Too uprising in 2017 and, you know, the added conversations about sexual violence and sexual harm in the entertainment industry, our nightlife. So our our entertainers, our musicians, comedians, and sound engineers had this kind of call to action for reducing harm. And that that is work that we are um, developing now. And we're really excited because it gets to go hand in hand with this work that we're doing with bartenders. And so I guess in summary, over the past eight years, the impact that I have really seen is the growth of community interest and the way that people are showing up in new sectors all the time for sexual violence prevention work. So where could people find out more of information on Make Your Move and the different projects you've got, including the uh, the bar workshops? Yeah, you can find information on our website, which is makeyourmovemissoula.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, where our handle is Make Your Move Missoula. Oh, Brenda Merrill, thank you so much for joining us with uh, Make Your Move Missoula and sharing the details of your program with us. Of course. Thank you for having me. This has been Prevention Is Now. I'm Deb Bonner, preventionist and community advocate for Prairie Center Against Sexual Assault. If you would like more information on this program, you may call our offices at 217-744-2560, or you can send me an email requesting more information at dbonner at prairiecasa.org. 
Prairie Center Against Sexual Assault supports children and adult survivors of sexual violence through counseling and legal and medical advocacy in 11 central Illinois counties. We also offer bystander intervention training with bringing in the bystander and coaching boys into men. And we offer sexual harassment prevention training for businesses and organizations in our area. Our main office is located in Springfield, Illinois, with satellite offices in Jacksonville and Taylorville. And you can find out more about our services at our website at prairiecasa.org. This program is supported by a grant from the Illinois Department of Public Health and the Illinois Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Points of view or opinions contained in this program are those of Prairie Center Against Sexual Assault and our guests and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policies of these grantors. Thank you for listening.